Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord. And it's wonderful to have you all here this morning in, um, in, in Vero Beach. <laughs> and it's a, it's a very warm Sunday morning once again. We had a few cold, cool days, but uh, that didn't seem to last too long. And um, here we are, and it's very warm again. It's, I hope everybody's well. Amen. Hope you're all doing good. Yes. We are in the middle of a series. Um, could you drop the piano just a little for me there, please, guys? Thank you. Uh, we are in the middle of a series right now, and we're talking about different fruits and the importance of fruits and the importance of identifying fruits, not only in the lives of others, but also walking those fruits out in our own lives. We know that Jesus instructs us, you know, to bear fruit. It's important for us to all bear fruit. It's also for us important for us to identify fruit, specifically in the lives of ministers and leaders, people that we choose to follow. But we also want to be people that people follow that bear good fruit ourselves. Can you all say amen? So this morning, let me get to my notes because I have quite a lot of material to get through. And um, it was a good first service. The guys were awake in the first service, just saying. <laughs> Actually, they really weren't. They were terrible. They were sleeping and they didn't, okay. No, they, weren't, they were wonderful. But you guys are going to be better, right? Okay. All right. So this is part three in our series. I, I can't, unfortunately, go through everything with you to get you up to, to where we are, but I want to I wanna definitely encourage you, if you were not here over the last two weeks, I strongly recommend that you go and listen to the first two parts of the series, especially last week where we discussed one specific type of fruit. Um, again, guys, I'm sorry, I need you to just drop the piano just a little bit. It's just a little too loud for me up here on the platform. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So it is important for us to, to be able to identify these different types of fruits. Most people uh, have a tendency to believe when we look for fruit that we always look for the fruit of the Spirit. And that's absolutely right. We look for the fruit of the Spirit, but the Bible speaks of other types of fruit that are very important for us to identify, number one, in our own lives, but also in the lives of other believers as well. I taught you in the last two weeks, but especially last week, just three primary ways that you can identify fruit in your life and also in the lives of others. Not the type of fruit, but how to identify fruit. So the first thing is obviously you would look at yourself as an individual, your life, the way you live your life, the way you operate in your life, and the things that you teach, believe, and speak. Those are, that's obviously one primary way to look for for fruit, it would be the same if you had to look at it in another individual's life. Another thing that you would always look for is you look at the person's family. So I want to see the fruit in my family. I would look at my children. I look at my parents. I look at the fruit of that household to see whether that fruit is good fruit or bad fruit. Another type of fruit that you look for specifically when you're looking at following a ministry or a teacher, a teacher or some kind of ministry, you always look at the disciples of that ministry, the people that have been raised up. As a pastor, we obviously 
you know, you would look at the, the leaders in the church, but you also look at the congregation. How's the congregation? Are they bearing fruit? Are they not fruitful? Are they growing? Are they not growing? Those are things that you want to look for when looking for fruit. Last week, we started by looking at fruits of repentance, and we identified what an important type of fruit it is for us to identify in our own personal lives whether we walk that out, and also in the lives of others. Again, I don't want to go too much into that. But before we dive into this morning's fruit that we're going to be looking at, let's go to Matthew 7, verse number 1. Matthew 7, verse number 1. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your, bro from your brother's eye. I want us to just remember that in looking for fruit, this is not to make you become an individual that's going to be an inspector trying to see everybody's good and bad faults or, or good and bad things. But it's important that we start by examining the fruit in our own lives. I think the first thing we need to do is examine ourselves. The Bible is very clear about examining ourselves. And then obviously at the same time, if you want to you know, look at, at the lives of others, specifically those that you sit under in ministry or in church, and then obviously your own family and life as well, you want to look at the fruit in those around you. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to be talking about a fruit that I don't think many people even really know exists, but it is such an important fruit to identify in the life of a believer. This fruit is called the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, and the Bible speaks about it, and it's important. Let's go to Philippians 1, verse number 9. I'm going to show you why it's such an important fruit to look for, look for in your own life and then also in the lives of other believers. Philippians 1, verse number 9. Paul starts by praying a prayer here for this church in Philippi. And I think it's one of the most beautiful, powerful prayers. Even though it's a short prayer, it really packs a punch. Philippians 1 verse number 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and, in, and, and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So far already, this is a very, very short prayer, but there's a few things here that are just so powerful. If you have a look at it, he says this, he says, and this I pray, so he's praying this now for this church, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So this is what he's praying for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And you'll get to see as we go on this morning just how important that knowledge is, that your love may abound in knowledge and discernment. He goes on and he also says, he says, 
and may approve the things that are excellent. So he wants us, first of all, to abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. Then he says that you may approve the things that are excellent. The word approve there in the Greek also means to test. So he's saying that you, may, that you must test the things that are excellent. So in your, in your journey, we're looking for fruit as well now. You're looking to see that things are done excellent, that things are done right, that things are done in a godly way. Are you guys with me? All right. He says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Be sincere in your walk with God. He's, he's saying, I want you to be sincere in your walk with God, in your relationship, in your relationship with others. Be sincere and then don't get offended. Don't get offended. If you can do this, just this, you will do really well. This is a powerful little prayer. And then he goes on and he says this, watch, in verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So we know that there are fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. And why are they there? To the glory and praise of God. So we are to bear fruits of righteousness. These fruits are there to bring glory and praise to our awesome God. How many of you want to walk in righteousness so you can bear these fruits of righteousness? We all do. We all desire to do this. The thing about righteousness is it can sometimes be a little confusing. And people don't really know, am I righteous? Am I not righteous? Do I have to be righteous? What do I have to do when it comes to righteousness? So before we can discuss what it means to bear fruits of righteousness, we first have to understand what it means to be righteous. And so I want to try and break it down this morning without doing a whole teaching on righteousness, but at least hopefully give you some kind of foundation so that you'll be able to identify whether that fruit's in your own life and also in the lives of those around you. What's important to understand is righteousness really represents right standing with God. Right standing with God, being righteous with God before God. Are you guys with me? All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. He tells us plainly here what righteousness is. He says, for he made him, him being Jesus, who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus took our sin on himself and we took his righteousness on us. I don't know about you, but when you understand this, and I guarantee you, there's a very good chance by the end of this morning's sermon, you will understand what that means that I just read to you. That he took him who knew no sin and he took the sin of our sin and took it on him and there was an exchange at the cross and his righteousness was given to us. This is a miracle and it is extremely powerful that we are made righteous not because of our own works, not because of our own goodness, but we are made righteous because Jesus took our sin in exchange for his righteousness so we could be made righteous. It's so powerful. 
But how does it work? Watch this. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, everybody say believes. For the Jew first and also for the Christian. So we need to believe. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. How do we get this righteousness? From faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we become righteous by faith. We get that righteousness because we believe in everything that Jesus has done. We believe that He's the Son of God, that He came to die and He was risen from the grave, that because of that resurrection, we now have been given His righteousness. It is a gift that has been given to us. You can't earn that righteousness. It has been provided for you. What makes you righteous is not what you do. What makes you righteous is what He has already done. See, the truth is, is that once you understand that because of the goodness and the mercy and the love of our Lord, that righteousness has now been given to us. Guys, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is, you can't get it. It's too good. It's too awesome. It's too wonderful. Because I don't have to do anything to be righteous. My right standing with God as a son of the Most High, knowing confidently that I will be with Him in paradise when I step over into eternity, it's guaranteed because the price has been, prayed, has been paid. I'm a son of the Most High God. I stand here with authority and power in the mighty name of Jesus, not of my own, but everything because of what He did. But the reality is I don't really feel very righteous because I know myself. I know how I am. And this is what gets in the way of this righteousness that I actually have, that's actually mine. Not because I deserve it, but because Jesus did it for me. So what does the Bible say? What should we do? What, what, what's the answer to this situation? I've got to get back up there and I'll tell you. <laughs> I get too excited and then I come down. <laughs> Let's go to Matthew 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. The problem with what I'm about to read to you is this is where many get stuck. And the truth is, this is not where you should get stuck. This is where you should get free. Amen. And I'm going to show you this morning how Paul understood what this meant. This is what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Let's first of all talk about what these things are. The things that he's talking about, if you read the text, is provision, is protection, is life, really. Everything that you need, God will provide for you on a condition. The condition is that you must first seek 
His kingdom, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. So let's start with kingdom. I have to seek the kingdom of God. When I think of a kingdom, I think of a rule, of someone that's in authority. I think of someone's dominion. I think of his power. I think of the kingdom of God is who God is and all that he is. So when I seek first his kingdom, I'm putting him above everything else. I'm putting him first. Watch this now. I'm putting his rule. I'm putting his authority. And I'm putting his dominion above everything else. What does that mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The most important commandment, put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you seek the kingdom of God, if you seek God's rule, authority, reign in your life, if you seek Him above all things, this is the first part, all these things will be added unto you. But that's not all it says. You see, the reality is the two won't work without each other. Because the second part is this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Then he says, and his righteousness. Now we understand that the kingdom represents him, his rule, his authority, his dominion. But I thought I was already righteous. So if I'm already righteous, why do I need to continue to seek his righteousness? And do I continue to need to seek his righteousness. Yes. But don't get stuck. Let me explain it to you. Let's get into this this morning. Are you guys okay? All right, let's keep going. How is it, or how do we seek His rule and His righteousness? What do we have to know? What is it that Paul would constantly try and teach us? What is it that Peter emphasized that was so important for us? What did the apostles, the disciples, desperately want you and I to know that would help us to understand what, what, what seeking the righteousness of God means, but at the same time, I am already righteous? Watch this now. If you go to Ephesians 1.16... This is what the Bible says. It says, do not cease. He's saying, I do not cease to give thanks for you. This is Paul praying for this church. Making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul's prayer is, listen, listen. I pray for you, church. I pray that, 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 that the Father, that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, that He'll give you wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of God. In other words, He wants you to know God. You see, this is not a head thing. This is a spiritual thing. That's why He says, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. You need to know God. You need to know His goodness. You need to know His mercy. You need to know His love. You need to know His name. You need to know His character. And once you begin to discover God, you can never be the same again. So the apostle saying, listen, you need to know Him. Let's go to Colossians 1 verse number 9. Colossians 1 verse number 9. And if you study the writings of Paul, he says this over and over. But in another address to the church in Colossa, this is what he says. Colossians 
Colossians 1.9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want you to walk in spiritual understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Everybody say pleasing Him. Listen, church, if there's no desire in you to please the Lord, something is wrong. If you don't have a desire to please the Lord, you don't have a real relationship with Him. Try and be married to your wife and not please her in any way. It's not going to work out good for you. Try and have a child and have no desire to please your children. It's not going to work out well. The relationship's not going to be good. So having a desire to please God is not only something that we should do, but is scripturally encouraged. Why? Because we have a real relationship with God. We have an intimate relationship with God. That's why Paul's saying, I want you to come to the knowledge of God. Because once you know Him, you can't be the same anymore. So he says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Now watch. So I want you to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it goes together. Being fruitful and knowing God goes together because you will not produce fruit unless you know Him. Once you begin to know Him, you will desire to please Him and produce fruit. It's just a natural thing. Paul's not the only one who had this mindset. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So there's no question that Paul and the other, other apostles had a desire to teach people to know the Lord. See, it wasn't about how much they knew, how much wisdom they had, how much knowledge they had. And they talk about this over and over in Scripture. But what's most important and overemphasized is you need to get to know Him. Because when you get to know Him, you're going to desire to walk with Him and to please Him. He wants to please you too, just by the way. That's why when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Why? Because your Father knows that you need these things. Does He not take care of the birds? Does He not take care of the grass? How much more you? He knows you need them, and He wants to please you because He loves you. Now, it's interesting because we get to see just how much Paul fully understands what I'm teaching you this morning. I didn't get this because I'm clever. I saw this because Paul wrote it. <laughs> so he's the one who shares his testimony with us. Did you know that Paul shares his testimony in the book of Philippians? He tells us all about this. Let's go in Philippians 3, verse number 4. If you've never had a reason to shout in church, I hope this morning you do. Okay? 
And if you don't shout, I'm going to be shouting all by myself. Because I have a reason to shout. Now watch this. Philippians 3 verse 4. Paul says this. He says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. So he's saying, listen, you might think that you can do things and achieve things in your flesh, but let me tell you a little bit about my achievements and what I was able to achieve in the flesh. He says this, he tells us his credentials. He says, circumcised the eighth day. In other words, everything was done correctly. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. In other words, well-studied, well-educated, well-trained, well-raised up, stock, good stock, the tribe of Benjamin. Listen, this guy was bred to be perfect, okay? But he wasn't perfect. He goes on and he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he says concerning the righteousness of the law, he was blameless. This does not mean that while he was a Pharisee, he was perfect. In fact, that's absolutely the opposite of what he's trying to say. But what he is saying is that when it came to to different types of sacrifices and different types of rituals and ceremonies, as a, as a Hebrew, as a Jew, he was doing everything to be correct under the law. But it still didn't make him truly righteous and his relationship with God the way that he desired it to be. He was still, he might have been righteous in, in, according to the law, but he was so full of religion. He was so full of, 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 of anger. And we see this in his story, if you study his story. So he says, listen, I was, I was perfect in the flesh. In, in the eyes of the flesh, I was absolutely perfect. He says in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So because of Jesus, all of my own personal achievements and all of the things that I was able to achieve on my own, I count them loss. Yet indeed, verse number 8, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. What is he talking about? All the things he's lost. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having, watch this now, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen, Paul has realized that he could not be perfect on his own. He realized that everything he did, it was never good enough. And he was always wanting to be perfect. That's why when the church rose up, he was so adamant about persecuting the church because he wanted to do what was right. But something happened to Paul. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when he had that encounter, he looked, he looked straight into the eyes of true love. And his heart was broken into to little pieces and all his righteousness became naught, zero, it counted for nothing and he recognized that his only hope of salvation was the one that encountered him on the road to Damascus and that encounter changed his life forever. 
he realized that he had to trust in God, that, that, that it had nothing to do with his personality or, or his achievements or what he could do on his own, that the only righteousness that counted for anything was that he had to trust in God. He had to believe in Jesus and walking with Jesus is what finally put him in a place of peace where he knew that he was righteous. Now watch, because it gets better. Let's just read verse 9 again, because then we're going to get excited, okay? And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So that's the only way I'm righteous. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Now watch. Why? That I may know Him. Now, why is that so important? Because when I know Him, once I've encountered Him, only then will I be changed. Only then will my heart desire to walk differently, desire to serve differently, desire to follow Him differently. And then Paul goes on and he says this, watch this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. I've read this verse before and wanted that part to be taken out so many times. I'm like, man, the rest of it, I love it. But take that suffering part out. It doesn't make any sense. But when you understand that Jesus died to make you righteous, you will gladly celebrate the suffering that you partake in as well because you recognize that everything He did was for you so that you could be righteous, so that you could stand and you don't have to worry about anything except that you are a son of the Most High God. Watch this, watch this. He says, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, my righteousness had counted for nothing. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. In the law, I was perfect. I did everything right. But once I met Jesus and I recognized who he was and I began to understand and come more to the knowledge of who God really is, not here theologically or doctrinally, but just uh, that he got a hold of my heart. I began to recognize the mercy and the love of God. I began to understand where the Bible says God is love. I began to understand what that really meant. And then he says, and because of this, because of this thing, he says, he says this, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. It didn't matter anymore to Paul. It didn't matter that he was going to be stoned. It didn't matter that he was going to be beaten. It didn't matter that they were going to try and kill him. It didn't matter that he would go to jail. It didn't matter anymore. All he wanted to do was live right before the Lord. All he wanted to do was please the Lord, but he knew that that's not what made him righteous. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a clap. That's not what made him righteous. The desire was a natural result because he recognized who it was that he served. He had come to a place of knowing God. And when you know Him, when you know Him and you know what He's done, it doesn't matter whether you're in the valley or on the mountain, when it's going well, when it's going bad, you will partake in any of it. 
even if it means being conformed to his death. And then Paul says this, and I just love this. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, it's, he's, he's done it all for me so that one day I too can rise. Oh, it's so good, guys. It's so good. Paul understood what it means to know God. That's why he was willing to say, listen, I know his power. Because that power that raised him from the grave is the power that enables me to stand here and be righteous. And because I know how good that is, I will give my life gladly for him. Because without that, I don't stand a chance. I don't stand a chance. <laughs> you, it doesn't matter how good you are, you will never be able to be like that. There was only one. And he was willing to die for you so that you could inherit his sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I am, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. So what does it mean when it says that I am righteous, but I should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto me. You see, because of his righteousness, that's why Paul constantly said you need to know him. Come, let them come to the knowledge of God. You will begin to serve him. You will begin to desire, just like Paul did, you will begin to desire to be under his rule, to follow his ways, to be led by him, and desiring or seeking righteousness or seeking to walk right with God will become important to you just like it was to him. Why? Because he wanted nothing to affect his relationship with the Father. And when your heart desires to walk that way, all the things you need will be added unto you. So, when you're looking for fruits of righteousness, what are you looking for? You're looking for someone that loves God, that knows Him, that desires to walk rightly before Him. If you see someone that says, listen, I can live how I want. I don't have to worry about it. I'm righteous. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Paul says that we would live pleasing Him, that we would live our lives to please Him. He understood it. He knew what it meant. And now you do too. Yeah, in Vero Beach. <laughs> Amen. So in your own life, what is it that drives you to come to church, to serve the Lord? If we're looking for fruits of righteousness, it should be because you have a desire to know Him to love Him, to serve Him, to follow Him. And then I guarantee you, you will seek righteousness 
naturally. And you will bear fruits of righteousness. And people will see where Paul says, do not put your wisdom, do not put your faith in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. He's not only talking about miracle signs and wonders, guys. He's talking about a believer that has encountered Jesus Christ. And that encounter, when they encounter his power, his love, his mercy, his goodness, you will see fruits of righteousness. Are you guys all okay this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, what else can we say except we are so grateful? We are so grateful that, Jesus, you went to that cross and you took sin on yourself so that we could take your righteousness. And we, the just, shall live by faith. I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to be with you, Lord, because of what you did, Jesus. And because I, I understand this, I desire to follow you. I desire to please you, Lord. I desire that I would become a tree, that we would become trees of righteousness that would bear much fruit so that others can see your power your transforming power working in our lives. We are so grateful to you, Father. We are so thankful this morning, God, that you have done everything necessary to qualify us. Now the ball's in our court. And this morning we choose. Lord, like Paul said, I pray that we would all come to the knowledge of you, Father that we would know you more and more and more and more. We love you and we honor you and we are so grateful. This I say again in the name of Jesus. If I can ask every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, I don't know Jesus. I don't walk with Jesus, but this morning my heart has been stirred and I wanna give my life to him. I want to follow Jesus. If you hear this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me, will you pray for me? Quickly slip your hand up so I can see where you are. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you in the back. Thank you so much. Anybody else say, Pastor, this word this morning, it's ministered to my heart. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Anybody else here this morning that says, I just know this is for me. I, I, if that's the goodness that the Lord has for me, I want it. If that's you, slip your hand up and I'll include you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you again. Thank you so much. Listen, if you've come here this morning and maybe you used to serve the Lord and maybe you thought that you just couldn't do it and you were never good enough and, 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 and you lost your way, I, I'm here to tell you this morning, I hope this morning that you see His mercy, His love, and His goodness. And this morning, I, I want to challenge you to come back to Him, to rededicate your life to Him. If you're here and you've lost your way, but you want to rededicate your heart to Jesus, raise your hand so I can include you in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. 
Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Include me. I see that hand over there. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you guys so much. Can I ask you, if you raised your hand, quickly stand up for me because I want to pray for you. Quickly stand up. Come on, church. Let's give them a big round of applause. If you raised your hand, stand up. Don't be afraid. Stand up. God bless you. God bless you. Come to me quickly. Come. Come. Come to me. Come to me. Come. Come, sir. Come. Come. Don't be afraid. You guys in the back, come. If you didn't, if you raised your hand and you, and you didn't stand, don't worry about it. Come. This is your moment. Church, let's all stand and give them a big round of applause. Come. Come. Amen. You are on your way, my friend. You are on your way. God bless you guys. God bless you, young man. God bless you. Come. Keep coming. Just stand over here. Let them come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you guys. This is the beginning of a new day. Amen. 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 You mean business with God this morning. Amen. 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 Come a little closer over here, guys. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer with you guys this morning. The whole church is going to pray this with you. But what's important is it's not about praying a prayer. It's, what's important is what goes on in your heart. So we confess with our mouths. We believe in our heart. If we really believe, then the Bible says we'll be saved. But it's important that you make a decision this morning to follow Jesus. So let's pray this prayer together, shall we? Say, Father, I come to you today. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He's the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me whole. Make me new. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray for you. Father, just bless her. Let this be a new beginning, Lord. Never the same. Never the same. For this morning, she has touched the hem of your garment, Lord. And she will never be the same. Never the same, Lord. Mercy and grace and love will be yours all the days of your life as you follow him. In the name of Jesus. Young men, amen. This is a new beginning. Bless you, sir. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Let's give the Lord a big clap, guys. Amen. If you guys take a look, there's somebody behind you that's going to just give you some information and pray for you. Just If you look over there, there's a pastor. Just follow him over there and we'll give you that information. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bless you, young man. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. So I want you to always remember when we're looking for fruit, fruits of repentance, fruits of righteousness, come back next week and we're going to dive into some more fruit. I hope you guys are getting something from this series. I pray that it's really strengthening you and drawing you closer to God. Let me bless you and we can close. Father, we love you. We are so grateful to you. I pray for each and every person as they leave this morning, Lord, that you will strengthen them. Lord, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with, with, with you, Holy Spirit, will be with them as they leave today. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.